I can only imagine how difficult it might be post breakup and having him as your next door neighbor. Yeah, that must be so challenging. Yeah. So from a man's perspective. Yeah, yeah, hit it, John. From a man's perspective, <laughs> like, what can you give us the man's perspective on the term unhappy? Do you feel like? Shouldn't have used it. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, fam? What's up, you Welcome guys? Welcome to the Hello Married Podcast. We're your hosts, Jonathan and... Joe Encarnacion. We believe that life isn't perfect. Neither are relationships. And there are a ton of what the fuck what moments. What the fuck? Here we keep it real with messy conversations around... Sex, love, relationships, communication, parenting, and everything else in between. Because let's be real. Life is messy. So messy. And we're all just winging it. Laugh with us, cry with us, and let's get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. From breakups to makeups, that's all we do. You are such an incredible singer. Thank you. I mean, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here we are. We're going to recap because it's been about two weeks. No, it hasn't. It's been a week since we last launched an episode. Yeah, but when this episode comes out, it's going to be... You don't say that, though. You just go into it and be like, last week. Okay, well, just go into it then. Last week. <laughs> last week, on last week's episode. On last week's episode. <laughs> All right, moving along. <laughs> Let's go. On last week's episode, we gave you guys some tips on how to have hard conversations because John and I have had one, ton, two, three thousand. million. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you say 3,000, I say 3 million. Okay. We've had quite a few hard conversations, yep. and we wanted to offer you guys some <laughs> tips on how to have hard conversations yourself, because we know that hard conversations are bound to happen in any relationship, platonic, romantic, parental, conversations with their coworkers. All of the relationships. All the relationships. And trust me, I know all about hard conversations. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> We also wanted to just let you know that like having hard conversations takes a lot of practice. And if you're just starting off learning how to open up and open up these hard conversations and these topics with your partner, your lovers, your partners, whichever, know it's going to take a lot of practice and give yourselves lots of grace and compassion. So much. You're not going to get it perfect. No, it definitely took us a lot of practice to get to where we are now and how we have these conversations with each other, whether they are easy or very hard. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even like we said in that last episode, we still refer back to our own tips on how to have hard conversations. Yes. <laughs> Too funny. You're funny. You're hilarious. You're hilarious. We also just wanted to say thank you guys because... In episode two and three, we shared some really, really intimate details of our story, and it was hard. Did you say three? Two and three. Oh, two and three. Yes. Yes. They were hard things to share, and they were intimate tellings, and we know from a lot of the feedback that we got from our audience and our community that it was also hard for you guys to hear, and we appreciate all the messages and outpour that we've gotten. And also, it was really beautiful to hear from you guys your own stories within your own relationships or the things that you've learned and picked up from us just sharing our own experiences. Yeah. I mean, we had a lot to do in order to be in a place where we are now. 
and we had to be in a really good place to share with the world our truths. Yeah, and it wasn't easy. And I know we didn't go too deep into what were the actual things that we did to learn and grow and heal. And we'll probably get into that further down the line on this season. But we want to let you guys into our struggle because our struggle is a part of who we are. And it's a part of our story. And it's important that we're able to share that with you. Yeah. So last night, we did an IG live. Oh, yeah. We introduced... With our plus one. We introduced Chris to the world. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of questions came up. Tons of questions came up. One of them being, which was... Very interesting because I kept on seeing it over and over in the feed was whether or not I I believe in monogamy. And the answer to that is where I am now. <laughs> is I don't believe monogamy is for me. Mm, mm-hmm. Obviously because I am in a non-monogamous relationship. And... Uh, When we first started navigating ethical non-monogamy, I really found myself holding on to this idea that it was your responsibility to fulfill all my needs. Yeah. And over time, in my own introspection, I came to understand that I, as an individual, have so many needs. You are needy AF. (laughs) And that it is... uh, very unrealistic for me to put that responsibility on you mm-hmm. to fulfill all my needs. Yeah. Or anyone that I might find myself in a relationship with in the future. I mean, the memes and the humor and the movies that I love watching. I mean, obviously those are basic needs. Right. And we still share some of those. We do. Mm-hmm. But you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you... <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't like fulfill that side of me where it's like, okay, this is what, this is like what fills me up. I get like super excited about this. Yeah. I mean, I can only watch like one or two movies max a yeah. week and you probably watch like 30. Yes. Okay. Not that many. Okay. Not that many. I mean, if I can find someone outside of our relationship to share things like that with, I mean, why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. I've opened up to the idea of exploring myself in relationships outside of our partnership, you know, whether or not they're platonic or romantic. Yeah, it's actually been really fun to also have conversations with you about your dates and to guide you. Yes. In how to approach some of these conversations with other women. And I think what's interesting is like, we would have never gotten to the place where we can actually have a healthy enough conversation to talk about our desires or our attractions to other people or what we might be wanting to explore outside of our actual relationship, which I think, I don't know, I think it's, to me, I think it's healthy. In our relationship, just in general, we've always been able to be like, oh, that girl is hot. And you're like, oh, that guy's good looking. Oh, yeah. And it was never really, it never really rubbed us the wrong way. No, I think we've always had a nice, stable sense of security in terms of our attractions to other people, for sure. Sure. And I think it's also just this understanding of like, we're humans and we're going to be attracted to things. And other people. I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet. And while you are really good looking to look at, and I love looking at you. Thank you. There's also other beautiful people out there. There's other beautiful fish. Yes. 
<laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> but there's other people out there that are really beautiful and attracted to, and they might have a really great personality, and it would be awesome to connect with them if that's something that either of us are available to and wanting to look for. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking outside of fish, I mean, if we're talking about, like, oceans and whatnot, like, I mean, if this is, if, if we're talking about things that I like, like space, like there are billions of other stars out there in our galaxy. And they're all very beautiful. And they are, they're all beautiful and they all shine very brightly. And in very different ways. And in very, very different <laughs> ways. So are you seeking to connect with other people? I mean, you already talked about us having conversations. Oh, about dates, yes. About okay. dates. Mm -hmm. So yes, I am open to the idea of dating outside of our partnership. The dates have been very open and light. Mm -hmm. They've been fun. Mm -hmm. I've learned uh, more about myself through those experiences. And uh, in those dates, I am very transparent. And I do let my dates know that I am in a non-monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. And also, <laughs> dating in 2020 as somebody who identifies as non-monogamous is fucking difficult. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like with the fucking apps and like writing bios, it's it's tiring. <laughs> yeah, it is. I Yeah. And, and you know, while I'm <laughs> very open to it and, you know, if someone comes along, great. But yeah, sometimes when I'm like on apps, I'm like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Like I've been swiping for so long. <laughs> like what am I expecting out of this? And, you know, I think that probably goes – to a lot of people out there who are also dating in this current space and this modern day time, it must be so challenging. And it's kind of cool. It honestly is really cool for you to be able to experience that and for you to share those experiences <laughs> with me. Oh, God. I mean, the whole Tinder experience, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's like it's Tinder, but people are like, look, some people are looking for hookups and then some people are looking for the one on Tinder. And I, you can't. And, and, you know, I mean, don't knock it for what it I'm is. I'm not. You have some clients I that you've do. actually photographed their wedding. I have. Who have met off Tinder. I have. And yeah. Grinder. Exactly. <laughs> so you never know what kind of connection can open up for that. And I think it's I think it's 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 amazing that you're leaving yourself open and that you're doing it by your own choice. I'm not on Grinder, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for you to be able to do this on your own choice, I mean, this is an open invitation to you and something that we have discussed that like I am totally open for you to explore and see what's out there for you. And you decided to do this on your own time. I did. I chose to for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So moving along on to the next one, we want to talk a little bit about the feedback that we've gotten. Oh, we do? Okay. Yes. That's a surprise. <laughs> No, it's not because it's right here, right in front of us. It's on it's on our show notes, so we're going to talk about this. All right, so you know what? Let's talk a little bit about the feedback that we've gotten because I think, I think in general it was a shock to some people. And for some, it kind of made some sense. I mean, I think a lot of our friends, you know, when we told them that we were exploring ethical non-monogamy and that here was all of our story— it made sense um, in terms of what they knew from me from like high school and growing up. And, you know, we've gotten so much positive feedback. I mean, it's 
You know, here's the thing. It's not easy to say and to own your truth. And it's not easy to own your fuck-ups. I fucked up. I fucked up. I made a choice that didn't include us. And we spent, and I spent, a good amount of time rebuilding a lot of our love and trust in order to get back to a place where we not only felt strong within our relationship, but we felt even stronger beyond anything. And again, like we didn't dive into the nitty gritty of like what that looks like, but it was fucking hard. It was. And for me to even be public about the fact that I cheated on you was even harder because there is so much shame around infidelity and there's so much shame around the idea of cheating that it's almost... It's almost really hard for somebody who's been on that side to like own their own experience and to say, you know what, I fucked up and I know my mistakes and I know that I went against my own integrity and I know what this might look like, but guess what? I'm human. And in order to grow, you have to go through your own fuck ups and you have to to go through your own mistakes. There has to be a lot of fuck ups in in order to learn and grow. Exactly. And I'm going to own it. I fucked up and it was hard and it wasn't easy. And yes, I feel terrible, but also to see the relationship that you and I have now, the communication that we do, the ways in which our daughters get to witness how we communicate through conflict. We say this all the time, John, it had to happen. It did have to happen. That was our path. And I'm grateful that it did happen because my growth started because of that. Yeah. You know, I had to like dig really deep and figure out what it was about all of that that made me react in ways that I did, in ways where I pushed you away and called you dirty names. And I had to make a decision for myself of whether or not I wanted to be that man or if I could grow into something different and something more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And through what I did. Yeah. And uh, the relationship that I have with you and my daughters and even Chris and the people that I surround myself with, the people that I love, and how I show up in those relationships is a, a, is a testament to that growth. Yeah. It's a testament to the work that we both did yeah. in order to heal. And and I think I think one thing to also note is that A lot of people say that you can't heal in the relationship where the trauma was caused. And I think the beautiful thing between you and I is that we found a way to heal. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about non-monogamy. The beautiful thing about our journey is that most people will say that you can't heal in the relationship that caused you pain. Mm -hmm. And somehow you and I found a way to truly do some immense and intense amount of healing while still trying to be together and while still trying to work things through. And that wasn't easy, but I am so, so proud of us mm-hmm. for being here. Cause you said some nasty shit to me and you could have left. And you know what? I could have left too. We both could have left. And no, none of us is forcing ourselves to be here. And we're not choosing to be in this relationship for anything else except for the love that we have for each other. Roger that. All systems nominal. All systems are nominal. We are golden. Golden. So along with that positive feedback, there has been 
the negative feedback. I mean, we we knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. And you know, I get it. Like what we're doing is new and it's unknown and it's causing a lot of people to reshift the ways in which they're thinking and that's totally okay. I mean, we had to do our own shifting. Mm-hmm. Just because I didn't believe in monogamy doesn't mean that I had to do my own shifting as well to kind of reshape the concepts of what it meant to be a woman in a relationship with you as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that said, I invite some of you listeners to dig really deep and ask yourself, what is it about the way that we love that may cause these feelings of uneasiness? Yeah. And I think one of the most important things is for us, although our start to ethical non-monogamy was rocky and it wasn't perfect, I mean, shit, our relationship wasn't perfect. We had Iris when I was 21. I mean, we had the baby before we got married. Mm-hmm. That was not a perfect start to like family in the ways in which traditional or conventional norms are. But, you know, it's taught us the power of choice and the power of showing up in a relationship and showing up as our full selves and being able to express our wants, needs, and desires openly, even if they're freaking scary to say. So, you know, I think it's just taught us the power of open, honest communication, the power of choice, and getting comfortable with with the the uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's interesting because one person yesterday night asked what's like one thing that I've learned about myself in all of this. And uh, after giving it a little bit more thought, you know, one thing that that came to mind for me and I think about my time in Hawaii that I spent there, was that I could have dreams and desires independent of you. Yeah, I think everyone should have dreams and desires independent of their partner. It's so healthy to have those. Yeah, and, uh, you know, seeing myself in Hawaii and dreaming of what it might actually be like to live out there by myself when and if you go and i'm sure you're going to go travel the world <laughs> i can i can do that yeah and you could hold space for that i am so excited for that idea and i could do the same for you in your desire to travel the world that's not on my bucket list it's like funny cuz we're saying this right now and i i love that we're documenting this somewhere and i'm looking at you as you're telling me this and i'm thinking how incredible is it that you and I have built a container where we can explore our own dreams as individuals and as a couple together and know that they're not threatening the love that we have for one another, that it's all possible in this same container because what we want for one another is growth and life experiences to just become the best versions of ourselves that we possibly could be. Oh God, I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy too. Oh, 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 I love you. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow, that was kind of hot. So, we're going to be moving on to our first round of answering some listener questions. Oh, yeah. You guys, we're going to be answering some listener questions on this show. So, we've actually gotten a lot. A lot of questions. Submitted on the website. So, thank you for that. And we are excited to go through these with you. Mm-hmm. And 
back. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I've actually been able to witness yes. after we've told the girls our truth uh-huh. and then got these two episodes out is how much more alive <laughs> and animated you have been. On the mic or just in just life? Just in life. I think it's just because we've been holding so many things back from the world. And I know for myself, like, I feel so much better in my body. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I feel, I feel good. You don't feel like you're 36 anymore? Because I'm going to be 37. Wow, you're getting old. I'm so old. Okay, moving right along. Okay, moving on. So we have one from our girl Veronica. And this is the nitty gritty. Going through ups and downs with my boyfriend. We've been together for five plus years. For the most part, life is good. But at times, I feel let down, dissatisfied with him. I hate to admit it, but there are moments where I find myself wishing he were different in some ways. My biggest fear is that he may shut down or not understand what I'm trying to say, which is ultimately that I need something more from him. How do you open up to someone, start the conversation on this topic, without the other person feeling attacked or as if they need to become someone entirely different. Jonathan? Joanne? Do you want to offer some advice on this <laughs> Why one? are you talking like that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'll give my input to the best of my ability. Hard conversations were very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Growing up as a teenager, I never really thought about having hard conversations. Mm. I, my, I was so focused on just being a boy yeah, and having fun. yeah. And at the same time, from my parents and, and how I was educated in relationships, I was never taught how to have a hard conversation mm-hmm. on whether I was the giver or being the one having to receive. Right. But I understand this, the struggle in how hard it might be for you to express what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And have it come from a place that is loving and caring. And at the same time, I'm doing it in a way that's very graceful. Mm. If you listen to our last episode, we talked through literally seven steps on how to have a hard conversation. And I think, you know, one of her concerns is obviously that he might shut down. I used to shut down a lot. I mean, yeah, you used to shut down a lot of our conversations, especially when they were much more difficult. I would I would feel attacked. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't ever think I don't think that was ever about you actually attacking me. It was just how I felt about myself in in those situations. Yeah. I did uh, whenever we'd have a hard conversation or you'd bring something to the table that was uncomfortable for me, I always found myself in a place of shame. Mhm. And that was really unhealthy. Right. Not only for me, but also for our relationship. Yeah. You know, it's hard to, it is, it is difficult. Right. To being open to feedback, especially if. You're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah. To add to John's point in terms of how to start this conversation, like you mentioned, coming at it from a place of love. Mm. And I know that for me, when it came to trying to, tell you some difficult things, I would actually slow myself down and I would say, hey, babe, I love you. I have something hard to tell you. I need to get this off my chest and know that I'm not going to hurt. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but this might hurt. Yeah. And just so we're clear, we only got to that place in probably the last four, five years ago. 
I think practicing up just communicating, like learning how to communicate has taken us a journey. And I think it's gotten better over time. Yeah. So it's taken a lot of a lot of practice. One thing that I want to add here is couples therapy, if your boyfriend is open to it, is so useful to just open the lines of communication and to have another person kind of mediate the conversation. A person that's not a friend. Exactly. And that's exactly. not biased, that will see things from both sides. Right. Right. And from a, an open perspective, because, you know, obviously in this situation, Veronica is looking to find change or looking for something more. And rather than like stating to look for something more out of your partner, you might want to like think about l requesting for something more out of the relationship. Because mm -hmm. I think that's important to note too. Like you're not, yeah, you're wanting more from him, but you're wanting to basically experience a different version of yourself in this relationship. This is what I want out of the relationship. When you put it in that context, it's much easier to receive. Right. And it's it's a request. Yeah. Because I mean, I think even too, like if I was if I was on the other side of that, and if I'm hearing all these things that you'd want to change about me, or if you were like, oh, like, I don't like the way you do this, or I don't like the way that you, you do that. That would be really hurtful for yeah. me to hear, for sure. I would rather hear something where it's like, hey, babe, I would love it if I could see you do more of this. Yeah. And I think that also helps to shape a different conversation. And also, I mean, to be quite frank, if there are things that you don't like about your boyfriend, and if they are things that are almost like deal breakers, the other option is, and I hate to say this, but if it's crossing your own boundaries, then you might want to rethink about what it means to be in this relationship with him. Because if there's things that you actually really don't like about your boyfriend, might not be the best partner for you. I think also, you know, it's important to note, like you don't want to change people, but you want to change something within the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that allows for a little bit more change. But changing a person, you can't change a person. That's no, only that up to needs, them to... that needs to come in their own time. Exactly. So I think Veronica things to do here is to request for changes in your relationship, not changes in the actual person. And then therapy therapy would be a really great option. And changing also the approach of the conversation, mm. coming from a place of love and requesting for the change. And also know like, hey, if you request for this stuff, there might be a chance he may say no. You have to be open to that. Yeah, I might have to be open to that too. It's like when our kids ask if, if they can have candy. Oh my God, like Olivia asked that today. And I was like, you know, you're asking for a lot of things and there are going to be moments where I might say no. And she goes, yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was so brilliant for her to do that, which yeah. I thought was cool. It's <laughs> good. Next question. Next question. Moving right along. Moving on. Next question is from Faith. Hey, Faith. Hey, Faith. Faith is going through a breakup phase during this quarantine and her inability to hang out with friends, mingle, and have post-breakup sex or just be distracted is not happening. She feels like she's going crazy trying to sort through her emotions and find answers with where her relationship went wrong. The short backstory is that she came home to her boyfriend one day and told him she was unhappy because they were distant physically, emotionally, and intimately. He got upset that she used that term rather than the word bothered or frustrated. 
He came to her the next day and he said he was done with their relationship. He already found a new girl to hang out with and the twist of the situation is that he is her neighbor. Yes, she totally takes responsibility for getting herself involved in the first place. So what does she need advice on? When it comes to communication, was it my fault for using unhappy rather than any other word in the dictionary to express her feelings? From a man's perspective, I don't understand why he got so upset. Two, her heart is crushed, but she's doing her best to move on. Any advice on how she can fully let go of the idea of their relationship? And three, she feels like quarantine has forced her to sit with her emotions and it doesn't feel good at all. Will self-love solve all her problems? If so, any tips on how she can achieve that state? Whoa. Well, first off, I just want to celebrate the fact that you are actually taking responsibility for getting yourself involved in that situation. And that self-awareness is... It's amazing, you know, so good on you. And also, I can only imagine how difficult it might be post-breakup and having him as your next-door neighbor. Yeah, that must be, like, so challenging. Yeah. So, from a man's perspective... Yeah, yeah, hit it, John. From a man's perspective, <laughs> like, what... Can you give us the man's perspective on the term unhappy? Do you feel like... She shouldn't have used it? No, I think... Thoughts? I think it's okay that she used the word unhappy. Because I think in you choosing to use that word, I mean, you're just expressing how you feel. And if that's where you are, you shouldn't have to hold that back mm -hmm. and hold that inside. You should be able to express that with your partner that you're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see how that might rub him the wrong way because earlier in the relationship that Joanne and I shared with each other, I always thought that it was my responsibility to make sure that she was happy all the time. But over the years, as our relationship has grown and evolved, I've come to realize for myself that it isn't my responsibility to make her happy. I can do my best in supporting her happiness, but ultimately at the end of it, it's not my job to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts? I mean, I think like, you know, there's a couple ways to look at this too. Some people might actually have trauma associated with like the word or a term or some specific like language. Sure. Like what's his relationship with that word? Yeah. And I like that you point out the this entire like gender role aspect of things like happy wife, happy life. That's oh such a, God. you know what I mean though? <laughs> Think about that idea that is like choked down to men about relationships. Oh God. I As a wedding photographer, I've probably shot over 300 weddings in my career 10 years and the amount of times I've heard that in a maid of honor speech. And remember, happy wife equals happy life. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I would second shoot with you at these weddings and I just remember thinking like, wow, what is the kind of messaging that we are telling people? Happy wife, happy life. So like what, as a man, you're supposed to self-sacrifice pretty much everything to make your partner happy. And if your wife isn't happy that you're going to have a miserable life. And that pressure I think is just so all-consuming and detrimental to anybody's well-being, no matter what gender that could be. Yeah. I also think like what I was saying about in terms of like the trauma possibly associated with the word, I know 
for me because I've dealt with a lot of abuse and my household growing up had a lot of yelling and a lot of fighting. When people start to raise their voice in conversation with me, it almost like triggers this feeling of fear and this feeling within me where I need to like turn into a fighter. And so what could be happening in this particular situation is while he hears the word unhappy, he might have some trauma associated with it in previous romantic relationships that he's been in that he hasn't been able to either work through himself. And when he heard that in a conversation between you and him, it was like, wait, are you truly unhappy? Is this the bottom line end of the situation you're unhappy rather than maybe annoyed of that the situation or bothered or frustrated, which feels like it can be something that you can work on. Yeah. But if someone's like, I'm unhappy, it's almost like, I don't know, there's like this feeling of like, that's the end of the line. You're unhappy. And and what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. And how do I how do I make that better if you're already unhappy? Yeah. I think it's just interesting though that even after he expressed to her that, that you he could have used use a different word. He was just like, I'm out. Yeah. And didn't even give an opportunity for for growth for next time. Right. And I mean, there's like probably a couple of things and, you know, we can't really stipulate on like the scenario or whatever, but he could have been also unhappy. Yeah. And you stating that you are unhappy could have been a way for him to just like easily say, all right, cool, we're both unhappy without even acknowledging his own experience in the situation. Yeah. And I don't know, I think a lot of people, when they're used to relationships that like to point blame, Mm -hmm. rather than taking ownership or responsibility of your own experience, they'd rather say like, well, you know what? Like you said you're unhappy, so I'm out. And I don't want to take responsibility for my feelings in this situation. Yeah. So peace, Mm. which sucks. It does suck. And I also think too, you and I have been in those situations before. We've externalized situations between you and I uh-huh. where it's you are making me feel a certain way. And that's like never the – the that's not a productive way to actually go about a conversation. Yeah, because ultimately at the end of it, like you don't make me feel a certain way. I make myself feel a certain way about things. Right. You are feeling that way. Because they're my emotions. You can't ever say to somebody like, oh, you're making me feel – insecure no something you are feeling insecure i'm I'm insecure i am feeling insecure about xyz this it's not you're making me feel this no one's fucking coursing you to feel a certain way yeah so i mean obviously like there are certain situations in that and certain feelings in there and yeah the second part of her question is she says my heart is crushed I'm doing my best to move on. Any advice on how do I fully let go of the idea of our relationship? It's going to take some time. Yeah. And I'm sure, especially with him being your neighbor, it's going to probably take a little more time than anticipated. Just because of the situation of quarantine? Yeah. For sure. I mean, I don't know if you like live in a single family like home or like you guys are next door neighbors like in an apartment I'm just curious and I wonder like how often do you actually see him mm-hmm. and whether or not that's like a reminder of what your relationship was. And I'm sure it is. Um, but it is going to take time. Mm-hmm. I also think it's going to take effort too. And the mindful act of truly letting go mm-hmm. and letting go of what your idea was for this relationship. And then also taking whatever steps that you might need in terms of what it looks like for you to heal. Mm -hmm. 
And that could be journaling, that can be trying to find a new hobby or, you know, those types of things. And so it is going to take some time and effort. Yeah. And I think too, like the same advice that we had before, if it helps to hire a therapist during this time so that you have somebody to help sort out your feelings, Mm -hmm. especially because you are in a time of quarantine and you're stuck at home and you are confined to sit with your feelings and emotions and when we don't have our regular coping mechanisms, like seeing our friends, getting out, doing things doing that things are for useful, that will like bring you to life. Yeah, that are normally going to like allow for you to feel resourced during this time. Find a therapist. Find somebody that you can talk to. Find somebody that can maybe provide you some other perspectives of how to cope in your current situation. Yeah, I can honestly only imagine what that might be like. Getting out of a relationship and having that person as my neighbor. I just hope that he's not like showing off his new girl. I mean, if he is, it's a complete dick move. So hopefully that's not the case. Yo, look, I got this new girl. <laughs> Sound like Keen Peel right there. Um, and then the other thing that she, she asked is, I feel like quarantine has forced me to sit with my emotions and it doesn't feel good at all. Will self-love solve all my problems? If so, tips on how to achieve that state. The first thing to do is, as much as it's going to suck, is sit with those emotions and recognize what those emotions are and begin to dissect how you're feeling and for you to figure out whether or not you're telling yourself stories or different truths about yourself. Yeah, I think too, what I love about you, John, is one of the things that you do when you are stuck in your feels is you start to pull out your journal and you work on journaling and you write about your feelings and your emotions. And in the times that you've shared some of your journal entries, you can almost see like a revelation of where your thought was and where your emotions were to like the end of your journal point where you've been able to kind of map out how you're feeling. Yeah, it's like I'll start a journal entry and I'm like, well, I'm feeling a certain way. I don't know what it is. And as I start to dive deeper into what I'm feeling, it's like peeling back layers. Yeah. And the more layers I peel back, the more I can actually get to the root of like what I might actually be feeling. Right, right. Because I think a a lot of times our true emotions are actually masked by something else. I know that oftentimes for me, grief is oftentimes masked with anger. Mm -hmm. And until I can sit with my anger, have a relationship with it, understand why I'm feeling so protective over myself, the moment I can break down that anger, I realize it's actually grief for something else. Or it might be a feeling of, you know, exhaustion. When I'm stressed out, it often is because I'm actually tired and not for any other real reason. I'm just tired or hungry or something or like I need a hug. And although that's probably difficult to kind of get in this time because everything is, you know, obviously we're we're shelter in place. This is a really great opportunity for you to become your best partner Mm -hmm. and really understand what are some of the things to that are going to help to make you happy. I think like it's a really great opportunity, you know, if you're unhappy in your relationship, And wanting something different between you and your partner, maybe there's a way for you to figure out what it is that will make you truly happy outside of a relationship. And that way, when when it comes to inviting a new partner into 
a relationship with you in the future, it's coming from a foundation of self-love rather than feeling like you're missing a partner to fulfill you in a physical or emotional need. Yeah. And also too, I don't think self-love will solve all your problems. But it'll help. But it'll definitely help. It will help. Date yourself. Date yourself. Take care of yourself. I think that's one of like the biggest things that I've learned about myself in the past year, year and a half is that I need to take care of myself first before I can start trying to pour love into others. Yeah. And and I know this firsthand as as a parent, I poured so much of myself out into them and I neglected myself. The gas tank was just always on empty. Yeah. I had to learn how to fill my tank first. I mean, same for me for years until my own self-love journey or my wellness journey when I started really understanding what it meant to love myself and take care of myself. I was also filling from an empty cup. That never served anybody. I was trying to serve others from an empty vessel. There was nothing there Yeah. for me. So keep loving yourself. Yeah. And I think too, like what John was saying about just dating yourself, use this as an opportunity and time for you to get to know what your likes are, what your interests are. Fuck. Like, Use this as a time to figure out what might turn you on sexually or physically or emotionally. Understand what those pieces are that really light you up on fire. So this way, like I said earlier, when you get into a new relationship... You can express this. You can fully express this and you know exactly what it is. And then you also know how to resource yourself so that it's not coming from somewhere else. Mm. Like your partner's not going to be able to... To make you happy, that's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility, but they can help support you. And mm-hmm. if you know exactly what those things are that help to make you happy, then the easier it is for the next person to really provide that support that you need. All right. On to the next one. On to the next one. I hope this helps. Okay, so this next question is from someone who wants to remain anonymous. Hi, Joe and John. I'm so excited for your podcast as I love hearing your stories and how you navigate the love and mess in a real relationship. My love language is quality time. His is words of affirmation. We're both extroverts with introverted tendencies and honor our needs for recharging. He comes home from a stressful day of work. I am now staying at home, now mostly due to our shelter in place, and my social interactions are limited. I feel like an eager puppy when he comes home and want quality time. He often says he just wants to play on his phone or watch TV. I understand the need for alone time and turning off your brain after a day of work. I'm the type that wants to have in-depth conversations, and the only time we overlap schedules is at night. I can't help but interpret his want for screen time as a way to escape and it feels like an escape from me too as he feels drained i know he's not purposely trying to not spend time with me but sometimes i feel like my quality time needs are not getting met and i feel sad i don't like watching tv because i get headaches and feel like mush so it's not like we can bond over that together much any tips on getting my needs met and getting his i value him so much her question What do you do if your partner just wants to decompress and have alone time with their phone? When I've been waiting all day to see my partner and need quality time with him, I feel unloved without having quality time. Okay, so in hearing this question, there are actually a lot of uh, similarities to uh, 
our relationship about three, four years ago, or no, a little longer than that, when you were still working with with Visco, mm-hmm. in that when you'd work a nine, you'd work your nine to five, you'd get home at six, and I'd be with the kids all day doing all my parental duties. Um, and obviously, you did crave a lot of time in connection. And for me, at the end of my day, it was like having to deal with two kids and doing all those parental duties. It was overwhelming for me. And while I did want to have those connections with you, for me, sometimes I just really wanted to to unwind. Yeah. And it's not because... I didn't care about you guys. It's just that I just needed to turn everything off. Right. So I think in understanding that on your end, like what was your experience in that? I mean, I was like, honestly, like I was kind of actually annoyed. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, was, okay. I was pretty annoyed with just the fact that you didn't want to connect with me. And I, and I, and I, I, I feel for this particular question because in a lot of ways, even though I was the one coming home, I wanted to connect with you and I wanted to have in-depth conversations. And um, I felt like you, I did feel like actually that there was a, a way that you were escaping, especially with like video games and wanting to kind of decompress in that matter. Um, I think, you know, one of the things as I'm like reading this is I love that you guys know your love languages. I just want to acknowledge that. I think it's amazing that both of you are fully aware of your guys' love languages mm-hmm. and you know what your needs are. And so, you know, you're you're asking, what do you do if your partner just wants to decompress and have alone time with their phone? I think it's important, especially right now in terms of shelter in place and quarantine and COVID, to give space for whatever form of decompression that your partner might need especially because everybody is dealing with an increased amount of stress, especially with this pandemic. And everyone's going to be coping with their stress in different manners. So yes, I understand like he definitely wants to use his phone and I think that's really great. But maybe one thing that you can offer or suggest is to have a set amount of time that he can use or that he can have as his time to be with his phone. And this kind of goes back to our previous episode. Which which episode was it? Episode two? About- I think it was like the first one when we actually <laughs> talked about... Oh, working from home and staying from in home school and st- from home. And yeah, and staying sane yeah, about, and scheduling intentional about, time. Yeah, about scheduling intentional time with each other. Like this is the time we're going to set aside for ourselves, for our relationship. And we're yeah. going to use this time to connect with each other. Right. Right. And be intentional with that time. Like if it's an if even if it is just 30 minutes or an hour, this hour is dedicated to us connecting. And then after that, it's whatever like the other person's like me time or self-care time might might need or might be. And it sounds like in this particular situation, um her partner needs his alone time with his phone and that's okay. And I think there's a way to be able to negotiate this. I mean, even the other day when when I said to you, like, hey, I love watching movies with you, but I can only do this maybe two nights out of the week. Yeah. Because I really want to get to sleep early. And 
we've all been pushing our bedtimes. These these late nights are killing us. Yeah, these late nights are not healthy for our overall well-being. And I want to be able to get like my workouts done at like five or six in the morning, even though I'm not going to the gym and having to drive anywhere. I still like to get those out of the way. And Mm -hmm. that's one of my needs. Yeah. And, you know, John's a little bit more of a night owl and can stay up late at night. But I just don't want to be watching TV or watching movies every single night of the week. And so, you know, one thing is like maybe just try to be intentional about your connection time and schedule some time that is specifically for quality time, conversation time. John and I have our conversations out of the bed, which is specifically for hard conversations, light conversations, but it's conversation time. Yeah. It's not a time for us to be on our phones. It's not a time for us to watch a movie. Yeah, we try to be mindful about that too. Yeah, we're like really, really intentional about it. And so if you can schedule intentional connection time, that I definitely think can be useful, especially right now when one of you guys is, is shelter in place and staying at home while the other one is also still like working. The other thing to think about too and to consider is since your partner is working outside of the home, There could be a chance that one of the stressors that he has that he might not be expressing is this overall fear of his own health because he is leaving the house and coming home. Yeah. And he is exposed to more elements and exposed to more risk of potentially catching COVID. And that I think is also hard and challenging. And so while he may not be able to express that that might be his fear, it could be an underlying fear that he might be going through. And that's something to just kind of consider with any of that situation. Mm -hmm. I do love how you can actually express that he's not purposely trying to not spend time with you. I love the fact that you can acknowledge that. Um, So with that, when you feel unloved, like ask yourself, "Is is this the truth? Am I unloved? And I think in this case, in you recognizing that he's not purposely trying to not spend time with you, just know that you are loved. Right. And also for him, see if he can schedule that time that he can just spend on his phone playing video games or watching TV or whatever. And that's maybe separate. Again, like I said, like negotiate that time. Maybe it's like two nights out of the week where he comes home. And the first thing he does on those two nights specifically is immediately taking a 10-minute break from you know, that transition period from like getting home, he can have like 10 minutes of just like, all right, let me just get settled in. And then immediately after is time to actually connect with you. Yeah. And to spend that quality time two days out of the week and start there and see if that's something that you guys can work out. And then maybe it's another two nights where it is just TV or movies or hanging out or whatever the case is. And then, you know, there's what... That there's three more days that you guys can figure out. Maybe that's some time that you guys actually just do things separately so that you still have that individual me time that's also super important. Yeah. Going back to the previous question from our other listener about self-love, after you do find a time to connect and you do hold space for him to decompress and get his alone time with his phone or watching TV, like really use that time intentionally to pour into yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if that means reading a book, journaling, doing something for yourself. Yeah, that would be a great time for you to kind of do something independently of him. I mean, you 
you, Joanne, know all about doing things independently. <laughs> Self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you were like going to go say something about like the fact that I go independently have solo sex in the bedroom by myself. Well, yeah, self-care. Oh, okay. That is what you're referring to. I thought I saw, I saw, <laughs> saw these like weird oogly eyes from across the room and I'm like, no. I think he's talking about when I go in self-pleasure. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. I go what and handle my shit while you're <laughs> while you're doing some other things. <laughs> Speaking of, I think I might play some video games tonight. You can go in self-care and I have no problem with it. Oh, man, oh man. Oh, goodness. Hopefully you guys enjoy these pieces of advice. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, we're not professionals. We're just professionals in our relationship because we've been doing this for 18 years. You're just going to keep rubbing in that 18-year thing, huh? I like it. You do? You like I'm that? Proud of, sh- I'm proud of that shit. I'm, Let me fucking own it. Every single episode? Fine. You know, okay. You know what, guys? We're just professionals in our relationship. <laughs> We're out. I'm so sad. No, my goodness. No, you're not. All right, y'all. All All right, guys. So thanks for tuning in. Always. Always thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And tune in next week because next week we're going to be deep diving into... Intimacy. And sex. Intimacy versus sex. Intimacy and sex. Intimacy versus sex. How we both defined intimacy differently early on in our relationship. Yeah, and how that's really reshaped the way we look at intimacy versus sex through some of the work that we've done, not only with our therapist, but within our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm super excited because we've got some questions about porn, vibrators, what that all looks like how to have conversations around sex. We're going into that. Oh, yeah. Sex, boys, and toys. Booyah. <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? Sure. Sex, six boys and toys? Sex, boys, and toys. Okay, next week on Hella Married Podcast, episode <laughs> number six. Six versus intimacy. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, Breaker, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social at Hella Married. And don't forget that you can ask us anything on our website at hellamarried.wtf. That's right, fam. WTF. And just so you know, we'll dish out our advice just like your Filipino tita and tita would. But way cooler. Way cooler. And please, if you enjoyed the episode, we'd love it if you just share with one friend or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Peace out.